Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Xbox Life episode 406, This Sunburnt Life. I am Brun BJ Swick 33 and along with, you know, here this week, you may not see Rob, you may not see Wing, but I have the next two best things you could ask for, and that is uh, Andrew and uh, Richard Seuss. And uh, so, guys, how are you doing today? G'day from Down Under. We're doing well, thank you. Very good to be here. Good to talk to you. Doing well. All right. All right. Very good. I'm trying to make sure I don't have a delay here. So, but, uh, so guys, we are here. You are here. We introduced ourselves to you um, by letter a couple of episodes ago when we gave a a quick impression of the Forza Horizon 3 game, which was coming out. If people don't know, Gunny Chief's already in here. He's, He's asking who everybody is. Um, you guys uh, are a part of our, um, I'm drawing a blank here, holy cow, our Patreon. You're a Patreon of our show, and we greatly appreciate it. And uh, one of the perks is for if you're at a certain level, then you can, uh, you join us on a show, and we talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. You kinda, you're kind of running the show, I guess, per se, if we were going to do that there. So, um, although we'll follow the same structure as our normal show, um, you guys, we're going to kind of cover some things that you guys would like to talk about. You guys kind of already, you know, graced me with, uh, some of the topics and things that you guys were going to cover. And I'm actually, honestly, I'm very excited. And I know that some of the stuff we're going to go over, it's interesting. And, and we'll get to that here and the round table. But first, like we do each and every week, we're going to talk about what we've been playing I'm going to make mine real quick so you guys can go over yours. I've just been playing Forza Horizon 3. That's all the time I've really had. Um, so, uh, Richard, Andrew, uh, for everybody, when you're when you're looking, hey, Richard, could you could you raise your hand real quick? Richard's right there, and Andrew is obviously the other. And uh, so people know who, when I'm saying your name, who's who. Uh, which, which one of you guys want to go first? I'll start first, please. I've been playing some Alien Resurrection. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like I'm... I'm circling the same corridors in the spaceship time and again. Um, maybe in deep space I've hit a bit of a, a flat spot in the game. But I was thinking, I think back to the modern Doctor Who episodes with Matt Smith, and I always think about the Doctor Who, the Time Lord, saying, everything we need to solve the problem we must have right with us now. Every backstory, every knowledge of a character weakness, every tool and accessibility to everything. So. I've started to make some slow progress with the mechanisms on the spaceship itself and getting through a little bit further. I must admit, I did lose patience once or twice and I I downloaded the fantasy alien insurrection and resurrection pinballs as well. So (laughs) I've spent a bit of time on those three tables because I want a a bit of a success and a bit of a light show as well as, as thinking my way through the quandary. Playing, playing a lot of Forza, so you're in good company there. Yeah, Forza Horizon 3 has really been the, the great treat for us here in Australia. It's fantastic to see the continent profiled. And boy, we've got a lot to share with you today regarding that. And a lot of background as well regarding the Australian car industry. The other game which I've been catching up on is Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is just a fantastic game. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's, uh, is Rise the latest one? Was Rice the latest one? Close to a year. Okay, so yeah, I just, yeah, 
Yeah, I've started that one. I still haven't finished that one. I still have to finish Dishonored before I can get to Dishonored 2 uh, before I play that. I know it'll be coming out, and I won't be purchasing on the first day, but uh, it's something that I definitely want to play, and I'm, I think I'm... I think I only have like maybe an hour or an hour and a half left in the first Dishonored, and I love the game. It's great. Uh, but then maybe at some point in time, with all the stuff that's coming out soon, as we mentioned last week's show, it's like, hey, this was the week where it all begins, you know, just game after game after game after game. Um, and some of those we'll cover a little bit later in, a, in a, another topic, which I know is really interesting. So, um, But very good. Is, is that it, guys? You guys, That's all you guys have been playing? Well, actually, we've cracked open the Bioshock series again. We're really big fans of the Bioshock series. And just a few hours ago, we were trying it out to see what the upgrade was like, particularly for the visual graphics. And I'm a little bit disappointed. It seems like it really is a return to Rapture, but not an upgraded Rapture. What I remember most about gotcha. the second Bioshock game is the use of the deep purple color. And... Uh, I think that would really stand out in a high-contrast UHD screen. And what I remember most is, is the strong purples. Um, so that, that's the only reason I wish that I had a UHD TV at the moment. I, I don't think the graphics are, are okay. markedly better. I, you still stand up to a wall and you see it as a textured fuzz. Uh, the 2D posters are not any clearer. And the draw distances are not greater. So when you're going through... What, what should be a city but is essentially a corridor city, you're still given everything right in your face. The, the draw distances are not greater, the, the businesses, sorry, the buildings are not stretched out. And I guess when I get to the forest in Arcadia, it'll still be a garden rather than a true forest. Arguably, you could say it's more of a port than an upgrade for the Xbox One. Right, right. Very true. Yeah. Um. Real quick, just, you know, we are having, we for for people that haven't caught on yet, I'm here in the U.S., you guys are in Australia, um, so if there's a little bit of a lag or anything that you're hearing right now, that's perfectly normal, there's nothing wrong with your, your podcast, you know, your iPhone or anything where you're listening to the show, because um, we are getting a little bit of a lag, um, but I was kind of expecting we might have something, but... If they think our speech problems. is a bit flat, that's just how we talk. <laughs> Perhaps I should yeah. introduce myself. <laughs> Would you mind if I introduce myself for my yeah. game attack? I play as game attack. Oh Dick. yeah, go ahead. Yep, my game attack is Dixie Turner. Uh, I I got into gaming um, rather late. Once I, after a sporting collision where I broke my neck, so I'm quite well now. And I was given a a concussive game to play. It was me in a neck cast and without feeling in one of my hands doing what I could to control what was essentially a zombie game and has later been described as a role-playing game, and now we know it as Bioshock. I was hooked. I really was hooked. Hmm. Yeah, so my name's Andrew. My gamer tag is TandyBoy5005. That will make sense if you know my last name is Seuss. And like most Australians, I got into gaming through the Atari 2600. And then... In the late 80s, uh, Macintosh was waiting for us under the Christmas tree. And what was special about that was that the graphics really weren't that powerful. But we were introduced to text-based gaming. So we all learned how to react to the environment around us. Uh, from there, we progressed to the Amiga 500. That was a pretty typical thing for an Australian to do. 
and the graphics were colourful, recognisable. Stereo sound, it was really quite a big deal. And then I fell in love with the GameCube. I really like the sense of fair play that Nintendo has. I know this is an Xbox game, uh, Xbox podcast. I like the idea of things like rubber banding, so if you're in a race and you're losing, you've still got a chance to catch up. But the Xbox 360 is the console that really turned my head. Uh, I was really impressed by Bioshock, the depth of the story, uh, the graphics as well, and just the uncanny feeling of being cloistered and being pursued. And from there, we've progressed to the Xbox One and, and really just loving it. Very cool. So, so guys, uh, you've, you've been obviously playing games for quite some time. What, what's your favorite? What would you say your favorite console has been? In your career to date, you have one thinking. <laughs> I'm I'm more an audio person rather than a visual person, and I don't think anyone expects if there's a next generation of consoles to come out that the sound will be better. So I'm quite in heaven at the moment playing with the Xbox One because it's got the 7.1 sound that I want, and that's I've I've got a $500 TV but a $1,000 soundbar, and it, it sounds. Counterintuitive, but that's how I'm geared. And I love to, I love to know if I'm in, in a building and I throw a grenade, where the grenade's landed before it goes off. That, that to me is the full immersion that my, my, it's like a spider in a web. The spider's not in the web. The spider is the web. With sound, that's how I play the game. And I get the same feeling when I, yeah. I throw a, a grenade, like a sonar grenade, which, which in, in advanced warfare, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, where you actually see where the enemies are located. And they can be behind barriers, but you see them come up in a, in a red outline grid. That's, I feel like I am the spider and the web. Oh, very good. So, so you're, you're, based, you're, you're picking your favorite console to date based on, on the sound and, and what, what we have today. So well, what about your game? Is, your, is the game your favorite game to date also in this generation, or is it something from earlier? The most whimsical fun game I had was Mercury Meltdown Revolution, where you were a Mercury blob played on the Wii, and you controlled the puzzle box that you had to get the blob of Mercury through. And say if you had to get through a purple door, you'd have to ease yourself up against a jagged edge and splint yourself into two pools, get, get one blob of Mercury onto a blue paint pot, one onto a red, then combine them together again, roll them together, and as a purple entity you go through. I like I like the fact that you're you're not located in your own body. You've got a bi-location. Now you're actually an entity of two or an entity of three if your droplet's getting flicked by a fan up onto the next level. What was missing from it, as against Marvel Madness, is it didn't have that crazy Eastern European accordion set to the the um, what we call irregular musical tonal scale and irregular musical timing. But I, I like things where I'm actually not in the centre of my own body. And I guess because then I don't feel any pain that my own body carries. You know, I'm no longer located in myself. So, Andrew, what about, your, uh, what about yourself? What about your favourite console? I'm always looking forward. So I'm actually looking forward to the Scorpio. Um, I think it's going to be great. It's interesting with the Macintosh, as I said, I was so involved in it because it was text-based. And you could actually, you play in the accusative case, so there'd be the subject and the object and the verb, and you could directly manipulate the world around you. And what it meant as well is that because it was so basic, you could actually program it. I remember doing 
tech stories based around the second Rambo movie when I was about 14. And I was actually able to do a pretty convincing story around that. And again, it was using the basic accusative case. You know, I'm this person, this is the object I'm going to manipulate, and this is how I'm going to manipulate it. But I am always looking forward, and I am really looking forward to the Scorpio. But there are still some 360 games that are on my list that I want to go back and finish properly. Alan Wake is one of those in point. Okay, I like that game. That's one game I did. It's one game I have completed. It's uh, it, the guys crack on me all the time for not finishing games, and Alan Wake is one game that I did finish. <laughs> so yeah, I did like that game. So. so your your favorite? I mean, I was really impressed by Gears of War, and I was in the Australian Infantry just as a reservist, a part time soldier. Uh, so I did have some experience in the infantry, particularly the idea of carrying your pack, carrying your rifle, and I still remember the feeling every time you'd fall down to your shell hole, the feeling of the rocket launcher hitting against the back of my head. And I could almost get that same feeling by playing Gears of War, particularly the game of mechanics of rise, cover, and fire. I thought that brought a new element of reality to gaming. That's something which does stand out in my mind. Yeah, very cool. All right. Um, cool. I wanted to get that, ask those questions. It's it's a, uh, It's a maybe one thing we didn't have in the list of, of things to cover. Um, but, uh, oh, well, yeah, it was in there. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's head to, um, what we consider our round table, of course, um, because we got a list of things here and I definitely want to cover them. And I want to hear uh, about a few things we were talking, you know, we were talking for almost an hour prior to us starting to record uh, trying to get our audio and everything um, to the best we could for for the show, and and you're talking and talking, you know, telling me some of these things, and uh, I'm I just want to hear about this stuff. <laughs> but uh, before we get there, pa- you guys are here because you're at Patreon. That's right, and if you're not, get on board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Patreon.com. Uh, that's where you guys, you know, obviously came in and uh, you're supporting the show, and we greatly appreciate it. And uh, so if anybody wants to go there, it is uh, this xboxlife.com slash Patreon. And uh, for anybody who'd like to donate or make a tip, uh, you can go to this xboxlife.com slash donate. And, uh, you know, $100 bills only, uh, you know, thousands are appreciated. No, just kidding. So uh, anything's appreciated. Nothing is expected. Uh, but everybody in the community is awesome for supporting us. So. Uh, Roundtable. When, when, so, um, when you fired up Forza Horizon 3 and you saw the initial... Um, airstrip and the cars lined up there like a promenade. Did you see at the corner of the screen a, a four-legged animal loping? I've, I've played three or four times to work out what the animal was. First I thought it was a fox, then a dingo. I'm convinced it's a Tasmanian tiger. I'm convinced it's a thylacine that they've drawn in, in a rather nondescript way that, that's loping, slinking off on the corner by itself. So just watch out for that when you first open up the title screen. I have not noticed that. So, but okay. So we we've hit we've hit some introductions, and we we've talked about you guys being you know you're you're located on Australia, which is the you know where Forza Horizon Three takes place. So can you guys cover like I don't know like how how do you guys feel about Forza Horizon 3. How 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 well have they done? How how well is it 
portraying Australia um, as far as the locations, the areas? What's some of the things that like, hey, they really did a good job on this? And and then tell me some of the things. I, I would like to know if there's any of the, uh, well, they make it look like this, but it's really not like this over here, you know? So can you can you? Yeah, sure. Would you like me to put maybe a little bit of context regarding cars and the car industry just before we, we kickstart with the rendering of the continent? Oh, yeah, absolutely. However you would like to cover it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah. I believe this game is a swan song to the Australian car industry and the great Aussie car. So put it in perspective, my first car when I was 19 years of age was a Falcon XB. Pretty much the same, less powerful though, than the car that Mad Max had in Road Warrior or what we call Mad Max in Australia. So that's the beating heart of every Australian, that big Australian muscle car. The loose marshmallow suspension, the leaf springs, something which is equipped really to go and do the desert, those sorts of runs. Last week was the last week of production for Ford Australia of engines. That's the end of it. Uh, they were manufacturing V6 engines and they were finishing off V8 engines that were imported from the States. But last Monday, they turned off the taps. So the Holden Malou, which is an incredible ute that you see at the start of Forza Horizon 3. Explain what a ute is. Uh, a utility vehicle. It's like a pickup, a sedan pickup truck, really. And the Ford FPV, mm -hmm. the Ford Pursuit vehicle, that's it. They're going the way of the dodo. Ford Australia finishes manufacturing of cars at the end of next year, and they manufacture at the Geelong plant. Now, that's just outside of the Great Ocean Road, which is that beautiful street where you see the Apostles, those stone formations um, in Forza Horizon 3. It really is a great loss. So Holden, which you call General Motors, Ford and Toyota are ending production by the end of 2017. It really is a great loss. What they've done is they've captured, I guess, a zeitgeist there. They've captured the spirit of what it was all about in Forza Horizon 3. The thing which knocks me a little bit is the music, the choice of music that they play. Now, Australian music is mostly guitar-driven, drum-based. Pub rock, we would call it, yeah. Yeah, pub rock, the sort of music that existed before they put poker machines in pubs. That really is Australian rock. I've upgraded some of the radio stations, and again, Richard talked about how we're so audio-driven rather than visually driven. That's a very big part of the game to us because it's the calling card that, hey, you've arrived on Australian shores, buckle up, turn on the AM radio, you're going for a ride. Now, the sorts of music I've had are Beastie Boys music, some drum and bass type stuff, which is okay music in its own right, but it's not necessarily appropriate. What I did uh, last week was post out to this Xbox Live's Facebook group is a link to a Spotify song track. So if you're interested, I've called it This Sunburnt Life, and you'll find it on this Xbox Live's Facebook, uh, Facebook group. So have a listen to that. So I guess I'll put a bit of context there. Richard, what did you think about the visual impression of the game? You really do have the open road to Australia. Um, never mind that it's pockets of Australia that are put together as, as one cake, as Australia in one cake. Everything is convincing, starting from the sky. The, the cloud formations are exactly as you expect them to be. Mm. There is a lot of water in the game which is, is a little irregular, what is not so free, not so freely found as it is in the game. Unless you go really north where they're 
they're crocodile rivers, but you're not going to see rivulets as, as common as you see them. The filling around the Maroondah Dam is just, I've spent one year of, of my life just riding when I was um, training for the state champs rowing, and the, the feeling of the ground litter, of being in the cool eucalypt forest, is just what I expect. And there's one place, the Maroondah Dam is in Hillsville. It's a short drive from Melbourne itself, where we're located at present, talking to you. And there's a, a two weeks a year, there's an autumn golden time where all the cars were put there because the light quality was so exceptional for filming. You see the eucalypt trees, there's hundreds of varieties, but you'd know the smell of the eucalypt, the sap, which is like an medicated oil that you use for, say, chest decongestants. That, it doesn't capture that smell, how can it? It does capture the ground litter and the feeling of going over the ground litter. Richard, I think in the lighting as well. Except that you don't experience the blueness of the forest. We do really call it a blue forest. One thing the game does not capture is the haze. First of all, the eucalypt, the eucalypt oil does actually give a haze to the forests, and that's why we call the forests off from Sydney the Blue Mountains. They literally look blue from a distance. Yeah. From the sea, from the sea, when people came to Australia, they always said they can smell the country. You can smell the eucalyptus; it really clears the nose. Um, and there's a reason why cattle were kept away. It's um, it is it is a low grade poison. Um, what was the other point you brought to? The lighting, and essentially, you wanted to talk about the corrugation of the roads as well. First of all, with the lighting, and with the music, you're not capturing the heat haze that is common on road trips. By heat haze, I, I don't just mean the mirages that you see on the bitumen road, but it's a, it's a reminder of the desert. Everyone in Australia clings to the thin ribbon on the eastern seaboard of Australia. So they say they like the beach, they like the accessibility, and, and a lot of the Australian soil is um, low mineral content. It's not just, it's not just a matter of, of low amount of water. It is, it is wasteland. And there's an awareness that comes when there's um, dust bowls, when we get uh, dust clouds come over the city occasionally, or 40 degree heat waves for day upon day upon day, that we are seeking refuge from this stark emptiness. Mm, this void. This void. Some people say it has a spiritual feeling to it. I know when the Australian Armed Forces captured me and I, and, and I ended up joining myself. It was they put on rock shows with military manoeuvres and the music would be stark. It would be stark uh, staccato. None of the music that we get in the game is staccato. None of the music in the game or, or the water effects reproduce the heat haze that I expect and that feeling that as a young boy in the back seat wearing shorts without mm. air conditioner in the car. Like legs sticking to the vinyl yep, seats. Yep. yep. A and stopping stopping for a uh, an ice cream <laughs> at a milk bar, which you call a family-owned convenience store. A lot of Australia, too, is navigable without actually going through a single country town. For instance, the 450-mile by air, 900-kilometre drive by road from Melbourne to Sydney really the, the two major cities that make up half the population of the continent, has, doesn't pass one single town. 
It's it's freeway the whole way. Sure, sure there are, I hate to say, McDonald's on the way where you don't have to get off the highway. But a lot of the a lot of the beating heart of the country can be bypassed. But getting back to praising the game, how do I feel that they've done it? I feel at home. I really feel at home. Every pocket. The desert is a little strange to me because the architecture of the buildings is captured great, but the feeling that heads turning and saying, You don't belong here, whereas Richard, this is your festival. We want it your way. You're important here. Get up behind a car if they're beeping you because they want you to join their convoy. That's that's not what you'd get in the outback. It's not typical for the hinterlands of Queensland, that's for sure. I'm lucky to have spent some time living in Tasmania. I've got a house there. And some of the cool rainforests there are very similar to southern Tasmania. One thing it doesn't capture is nocturnal driving in Tasmania because of the sheer amount of forests. We're talking about forests that European eyes have scarcely seen. They're primordial forests. The sheer amount of possums, kangaroos, potaroos, um, platypuses, etc. that you see, it's just not represented properly in the game. Um, but also the carnage that you see on the roads from nighttime kills in Tasmania, luckily that's not shown in the game either. Yeah, Andrew's right. The old forests in, in Tasmania that, that really made it Van Diemen's land for sending convicts with no escape, some of the forests are the last remnants of Gondwana lands, rainforest. So that's quite special. I mean, Antarctica couldn't continue with the vegetation from Gondwana land, but you've got the remnants in Tasmania. The other thing is um, dawn to dusk are definitely the most hazardous times on the road in the outback. And most, let's face it, most of the continent is the outback. And that's because it's a dry continent. And a lot of the highways are just graded into the, into the, into the outback itself. Mm. So it's not as if every 10 years they say, well, let's re-bitumen, let's put um, bitumen on it again. They'll get a bulldozer and they'll just scrape three feet off the highway. So now it sits three feet deeper. Well, it becomes a, a basin for water and those roads that are elevated will actually have little runoffs where the kangaroos and the emus and possums and what have you are going to come at dawn and at dusk to drink. That's why it's hazardous at dawn and dusk. Oh, interestingly, you're, you're free to play today and drive on the Great Ocean Road in Forza Horizon 3. I myself am not free to drive it. We've had landslides just recently and it's inaccessible. There's multiple, just over a score of um, landslides on the 250-kilometre run. But it is every bit as beautiful as depicted in the game. It's interesting. When I lived in Germany, I remember a big banner promoting the Great Ocean Road. And in German, it said, the most beautiful road in the world. And it's possible. Very cool. Yeah, uh, Dark Kristoff is here in, in the uh, chat. He says he's having so much fun with Forza. Might be the closest to Australia I get, sadly. And, uh, and, uh, I had to put in there. Yeah, I wish I could. Uh, you know, I personally, my my wife is not a big fan of flying, um, and doesn't really like to fly over the ocean. And she's always said that Australia is one place she would like to visit. So I said, yeah, maybe I might have to hit you guys up and just stay with you. <laughs> it's not out of the question. We've given our gamer tag. You can drive convoy with us. Let's start with. We'd love that. We've un unlocked that feature. So 
you have my gamer tag, Dixie Turner, why don't you invite me to drive Convoy? We'll give you a guided tour. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so as far as Forza 3, I mean, in your guys' opinion, you know, if you could give it a scale of a not a one to ten, like how great the game is or how much you like the game, but on one to ten on it, on how well they're representing Australia, how, how would you do? How would you what would you give it? I feel at home there. And I, I've been to Europe several times, Eastern Europe, but I never felt at home playing Forza Horizon 2 there. I didn't feel that real instant familiarity. I think the graphics are a lot better in this game than in Forza Horizon 2. I find that the cool rainforest to be really representative of where I've lived. So it, it does a good job. It's like a sampler pack. Um, they've put little bits of every corner of Australia and put it together in one pie. Oh, very cool. Um, so moving on, let's move, let's move to the next thing. And I know this is something that maybe has, has been heard or read. And, and I know in the gaming industry or in the gaming world, I've heard things about, um, Australia and their, uh, censorship. I, I, I mean, I, I guess how that's how I would put it. And, and you had a, a, an interesting topic here on the Australian R rating. So explain that to me and to everybody and 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 then we'll go from there <laughs> that, that's that's the easiest you guys explain explain that because we have so the esrb we have e for everyone t for teen uh m for mature and we pretty much it pretty much stops there um and to get a mature rating or an m for mature it's like oh it has blood um, or there's b language, you know, in it, but, uh, you know, what is it? And, and I've even, I've even heard, and this might be true or not. You'll have to tell me if it is or not, cause you would know firsthand, you know, like some mature games just being altogether censored, like you can't get it in Australia. And I don't know if that's actually true or not, because I don't even remember what game, you know, game it was, but explain to me the Australian R rating, and, and kind of cover that, could you? Yeah, sure I can. So R rating basically means restricted. So it means it's restricted who it can be distributed to and how it can be displayed. So in Australia, that means if you're under 18 years of age, it's not accessible for you to use or for you to purchase or hire. It's sort of interesting the way it works. This Australia actually has a constitution as well, and in the Australian constitution... All communications fall under the purvey of the federal government. But interestingly, publications and electronic games fall under the power of the states. So what that would mean is that if Victoria decided to make a piece of legislation and New South Wales decided to do something incongruous, you could go from state to state and have one product suddenly legal and illegal. So all the states got together and they decided that they would have a common code and they would vest that power to the federal government. So it means Australia's now got one unified code for it, but we didn't have access to R-rated gaming until 2013. Now, Australia is seen as one of the most conservative countries in the West, but every country is conservative in its own way. Um, some countries have high tolerance for some activities than they do for others. So originally, without an R-rating, Australia had what was called M rating. That was the highest. And then they upped the bar a little bit to create an MA, or mature adult rating. 
In fact, it didn't have a great deal of difference from an M rating, but games like Yggis of War were typically the things that would come in as an MA. Now, there was a whole lot of political controversy when they tried to open up the classification of R rating. We had R rating for films, but we didn't for what we could see on our screens for computer games, so it didn't make a lot of sense. Famously, the Attorney General abstained from voting when it went through Parliament, but it was passed, and then the game started to come in. Now, there was the cries of the Moral Crusade, and there were also interest groups which were set up. For example, there was a political party, Richard, Gamers Party. The Gamers Party was set up to contest the rights for R-rated games. Now, there is punishments um, for exhibiting R-rated games for people who are underage, and it's pretty substantial. It's a fine of up to $275,000 wow. and or 10 years of prison. Now, 10 years of prison would give you a good chance to increase your gamer score. Initially, games like Saints Row 4 <laughs> were released with an MA classification. Now... When that game came out, it was appealed. So this answers the question, what if it doesn't meet the classification? What happens? Does it get released? Does it not? Well, for that one, they actually appealed. But it came out as an MA version under an edited version of the game. It was banned because there was illicit drug use and there were rewards that were given to activities of that were deemed un inappropriate. I'm going to keep this family friendly, everything that I say. Other games have come out, for example, yeah, South yeah, Park, please. The Stick of Truth. Now, it was banned again because of a, a specific scene that was in it. It was released for Australia with that particular scene deleted and a visual card, a title card, put up in its place. Now, you might be interested to know the game um, Grand Theft Auto V was released in Australia. It was released as an R-rated game. And in the classification, I'll just run through the way that they scorecarded it. For themes, it was classified as strong impact. Also the same for violence, language, nudity and sex. Drug use was singled out specifically as being for high impact. But interestingly, the game was released under an R rating. An earlier GTA game was refused entry to Australia because of a specific um, activity that took place in it. Again, I, I'll leave this as child-friendly. Yes. Very interestingly, though, games for sale currently in Australia with an R classification include current games that you'll find on the shelf in Australia like Witcher 3, The Technomancer, Dead Island. Now, get this. I know that we're all going to be opening our wallets and doling out the $100 bills for the games about to come out. In Australia, the upcoming games which are rated R are Resident Evil 7. Sorry, is it 11? No, no, it's 7. Dead Rising 4, Mafia 3, and Gears of War 4. Yes, can you believe it? Gears of War 4 for Australia is an R-rated game. Do you, do you think that's due to mainly the violence and the blood i guess i mean if you're if it's not human i mean even alien blood like in in halo and stuff like i think halo 6 was what the first non-mature rated halo game here in the u.s or in you know everywhere else because and and i think like alien blood was one of the big things so why may why gear why do you think gears of war 4 is falling in there i've done some reading up on 
the introduction of the R rating to Australia, and it started to occur at the period where they thought things were becoming more photorealistic, like what they call photorealism, so that the okay. gore was not just implied, but it was actually explicit. Now, there have been some games in Australia where they've tried to get around it. You've got some examples. Well, change, changing um, blood from red to black it is the normal way of, of putting a very quick edit in Australia. I think with Gears of War 4 that it would be a, a play-anywhere game. We're looking at a game where you'll see the gore in UHD and we'll see a greater co colour contrast and you can make blood as explicit as you please or as, as rewarding as you please if that's how you wish to play the game. But sometimes the Australian government's a little squeamish when it comes to blood or the bloodstream. An example is um, the revival. Instead of using bandages, you may play a game of Fallout where you use a stim pack to revive you. And a syringe into the arm can be looked at by the Australian government and was argued as the use of steroids. Therefore, drug use, therefore, restriction. There was, and at one stage there was no R-rated category of games, so the game could not be shown, could not be sold in Australia. And if, if a game's rated R, it's very serious business. You won't be able to go to a shelf and have it available to hold in your hand. It'll be at a booth that an adult can show their license and ask to look at it and purchase it. So it's not just a penalty. Yeah. If there is a penalty if you actually allow a minor to play it as well. So it seems to be quite a responsibility to hold the material. If you don't mind, I can show you some of the R-rated games that I've got considered as, as R-rated in Australia. Um, and it may surprise you, Rise, Son of Rome came out rated R in Australia, where the violence is it's kind of expected. It's not as if it's gratuitous. It's almost like saying Space Invaders is a violent game. So real, real quick, so that, that was Rise, Son of Rome. And 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 I'm and the reason why yeah it kind of broke up when you were saying it there for a second and I know that for the recording not everybody's going to be able to see it so I just wanted to make sure I said that was Rise of Sun of Rome so that's that's one of your our our restricted games now real quick you you, you said before you uh, before um before you mentioned Rise you said it is illegal for or you could be penalized for allowing a minor play to play a game. Does that include like a parent letting their child play in their own home? That's correct. The mature oh, okay. the mature rating rating is for fifteen and under. Mature adult, you must be fifteen or above. So even a okay. film that's considered MA doesn't matter if there's a guardian coming along. You must be fifteen years of age. And and for restricted, that's eighteen or or eighteen or 19. above. Yes. Okay, so so if a parent buys the game and lets the kid play or watch them play, they could be in some sort of trouble. Now, does that really happen very often, or where you read about people being in trouble, or is it just kind of one of those, you know, un... How do I want to say, like... Parents would recoil from buying something. Rise, Son of Rome has it. The R rating is a diamond shape, which looks... It looks like a dangerous shape. And it says high impact violence restricted. Okay. If you're an adult, would you put that into your child's hand? No, no. I mean, and and I and I and I'm not against. You know, I'm a parent. You know, and I'm 
I am not a, you know, there are games where I won't let my kids play them. There are games where I won't let them watch me play them. Um, I believe, you know, Rob and, and Mark are probably the same way. Um, I just, I just have one of those things where if I let my child play one of those games, there's no rule or law or anything where I could be punished in any way. So that was kind of like, I never knew that. I mean, even when we talked prior, uh, to the show recording, um, you, you know, we kind of hit on a couple of these things and that was not mentioned. And that's actually very surprising to me. I've never, I've never heard of that. So what, I mean, is that the same, like 275,000 fine 10 years in prison type of scenario? If a parent would happen to. No, the upper limits are certainly for say Kmart, for instance, not that Kmart would say that they decided to have it available for play and they had the console locked and this game in it, you could pick up a controller as part of the okay. browsing public, then the upper limit would be there so that you could certainly gotcha. meter out a punishment that would be worth something. Going through other games, Dead Rising 3. So it's, it's sorry, so, so it's not, it's not if I buy the game, I take it home and let my kid play it. That's, that's not included in that. It's forbidden. That is forbidden oh, okay. and punishable. And the punishable okay. and the punishable rate is up to that magnificent limit we stated, but a judge yeah. would temper it accordingly. Right. Okay. So uh, what's what's the next game you have there? Dead Rising Three, high impact violence, blood and gore. Yeah, it's it's right. wanton it's wanton violence. I, I have to admit it was. It's gratuitous. It's kind of the purpose of the game. But Right. See, I would say if, if the public wanted that, well, there it is. I, I'm not one to take away that cathartic value, if it's a cathartic value to someone. What I think the Australian public would recoil from is a brooding type of violent game because that's when someone, instead of having some cathartic release, would actually internalise it and more identify themselves with the planning of that that kind of activity. I, I don't want to be too somber about it, but here's, here's an example. Wolfenstein, the new order for the 360, um, has a dark theme given its um, subject during World War II. I don't want to say too much about that, but I played it and found some of the game just fantastic in the, in the, in the term of the word fantasy, you know, action bases on the moon. I quite enjoyed it. But when it came to the Xbox One game, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood, I recoiled from it. I found it was brooding violence. Um, I found it was haunting, grim depictions. And I found, even though the graphics were somewhere between the new generation and, you know, not ultra-high-realistic, I recoiled from it and I erased the game and I, I don't want to be associated with the game. So maybe that's my personal taste. I guess it has a lot to do with the cultural taste in Australia, that kind of sombre, brooding violence and um, punishment and uh, torture is, I would say, not acceptable. Right. It's interesting because if you go back to Greek thought, the idea of what should be obscene and what should be seen, or really what should be on the stage or off the stage, was discussed as well. And Aristotle didn't have an issue with violence per se if it could produce 
a catharsis or a purge for people. It could actually release an emotional fear. But Plato had a lot of issues with violence that was depicted, particularly not just with violence itself, but particularly if it was directed um, without proper purpose or was um, projected on people who were defenseless. And he had specific problems with violence or violent shows or themes being available to people who could be influenced by it. So this goes back even to the days of Plato and Aristotle, this very debate. The problem today is that this is just no longer the catharsis or the purge or the exception to the rule. It is becoming the norm. Stephen King is quoted, he's a master of horror, as saying that, I recognise terror as the finest emotion and I will try to terrorise the reader, but if I can't terrify them, I'll try to horrify. And if I find I can't horrify, I'll go for the gross out. I'm not proud. And that really is the ubiquity of violence. The stops are all pulled out. Right. Very, that's, that's very interesting. I never knew that. I uh, actually knew that of Stephen King to say that. But yeah. well, Do you mind if we start talking about the pricing of games? Because that's one thing we really think we're disadvantaged. We're not so upset that certain games are rated R and certain games are modified for Australia. It's what you don't have, you don't really miss. But it's uh, the price of, of gaming and hardware that, that really rankles us. Right. Yeah, so here, here in the U.S., I mean, pricing is different everywhere. Um, but here in the United States or in the U.S., and I mean, even in Canada, it's different. But our games are listed at 50, you know, you have your fifty nine ninety nine. That's what we would call our $60 game. Now that's before taxes for for you know places where state sales tax and things like that because we even have a few states that do not have state sales tax. Um, so you know it it rounds out to be like sixty four, sixty five, sixty six dollars depending on where it is. Um, and then of course you know with these different levels like take for Forza Horizon you had your sixty dollar, you had your eighty dollar, and you had your one hundred dollar. You know, yes, fifty nine ninety nine, seventy nine ninety nine, ninety nine ninety nine. But what would a sixty dollar game be uh in Australia? Do you still do you have like that is it like set for every single one or is games vary as well? I mean Firstly there's a disparity between what the Xbox store charges for a digital download as against what you can get a game in your hand for. Do you find mm. the same where you are? Uh, there, even though most of us feel that uh, downloadable games should be cheaper, uh, I would say not by much. And the reason for that would be, um, you know, no packaging, no shipping, no sitting on shelves, no this, no that. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it shouldn't be anything less than maybe 10 bucks cheaper, but no, as of right now, they are the same like i don't think they want to risk making um making stores angry where the the mom and pop or the brick and mortar stores would have any fits about it so is it the same there or you said they're just no for instance for instance with forza horizon 3 i bought a physical copy because and i and i downloaded it because of downloading i paid 79 for a game in my hand for the base version and I paid $100 Australian for the digital download, so for the base version. So for the digital, it was $20 <laughs> more. Yes. And then $120 Deluxe, $140 for Ultimate. This is on the downloadable store. Now, 
Is okay. Time out. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, okay, nonsense, so, isn't it? Um, and in Australia, so, yeah. So okay. So we've come up with a term sorry, for real, it real, in Australia. Yeah, real, real quick, real, real quick, real, real, before before you go in there. So it's you said the physical copy in Australia is seventy nine. Is that American? Are you rattling this off oh, in American that, dollars? This is Australian or? dollars, which well, if you're thirty percent extra um, buying power, so it'd be sixty US, seventy nine dollars in Australia. So that's at a cut price store. Okay. At a regular store, ninety nine dollars. Cut price store, seventy nine. Okay. And and the download version is a hundred dollars. Yeah. Now, is that hundred dollars? So, is the more expensive version because you have to download it and you're using bandwidth? Is is that are you paying for the bandwidth to download the game like wrapped up? So it doesn't count against a cap because we're going to talk about that. No, <laughs> believe it or not, it doesn't cover the download bandwidth. We pay for the pleasure of that as well. So we've come up with a term for why we pay more for the downloads. And in Australia, it's called the Australia tax. It's not a real tax. It's the cost we pay for the tyranny of distance. So because of our small population base, it's just under 24 million people and a distance from the rest of the world, the supply chains are restricted and narrow. But with digital downloading, that doesn't make any sense at all. But it's still a reason for us to pay more for the same goods that you buy in the States. What we pay for a song download on iTunes, for example, is significantly more than what you pay. And there was a period one and a half years ago, two years ago, where the Australian dollar was significantly stronger than the US, and we were still paying more for the same content. Uh, I've gone through and, and had a look at the price of some goods that I've translated this morning to US dollars, just to give you an idea. Gears of War 4 is available for pre-order at the moment for $76.30. That's American dollars. An Xbox One S wireless controller would be about $69 US. And interestingly, um, this is something I found today, EB Games is allowing customers to put a place order in for the Project Scorpio for $1,000 Australian or $765 US. So economically, the Scorpio is already a reality. Uh, I think people are going to, hopefully people are going to get about half of their month, a pre-order back for that. If it's that much, oh, it's, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if it could be that much. So, so real quick, you guys have been listening to our show, I think I asked earlier, you said a couple years, right? You've been listening to TXL for a couple years. How bad do you want to reach through there and strangle me when I complain about it? something being too expensive? <laughs> Be honest. How many times did you virtually strangle me? Yeah, you probably can't comprehend the Australian models for pricing, particularly things like downloads and, and broadband. So... Until very recently, I've been living on a 50 gig plan per month. Forza Horizon 3 download was 47 gig. There really isn't a lot of change left for that. For the privilege of that, the download cost was $110 just for the download. Okay. So on top of paying so $100 at the store. That's on top of the $100 that you correct. paid for the game. And that's why discs are still, still going well in Australia at the moment. For instance, when I bought, um, I waited until the Xbox One S 
one terabyte hard disk came out, which was the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. And as a little freebie, for the first 24 hours, you got to play the game before anyone else who didn't buy that hardware unit. And on getting the game, I had a 100 gigabyte download, including the game and the operating system. And, and how long do you think that took on a ADSL? About three days. <laughs> oh my gosh. So where's, so, the, where's the bonus? Where's the and you get to play early? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Exactly. So, uh, so you're on a fifty. You were on. You were on a fifty gig band. Are you on? You you mentioned earlier before we start recording. You you're on an unlimited now. Yeah, we've just switched across. We're still waiting for the Australian government. Is that correct? To that's right. We're still waiting for the Australian government though to roll out the national broadband network. Uh, it's still missing a lot of houses. And the cost of it is so so high that people are deciding not to take it on anyway. There, there was a, a mining boom we had up until six years ago, and money was put aside as an infrastructure fund. It was decided that the infrastructure would be laying down optic fibre, but optic fibre to the node, not to the house. So multiple houses on the same street would have a pronounced effect on the data stream that you could get. The price is so high that people are effectively opting out even if it is available and using essentially a phone SIM card, which is what, in effect, our router is using at the moment. Okay. Um, that has other repercussions too about UHD gaming, uh, how ready we are for it. It's not as if we have a as if our local stations are playing full HD as it is for the majority of their programs. We'll be lucky on special occasions such as the Australian Football League will we'll display, uh, we'll, we'll stream their data through at HD. Not UHD, certainly not, and I can't see the day coming. I can't see it inside anyhow. Hmm. Very, that's very interesting. What what's the uh, uptake of well, UHD? I, I, mean, I, I gotta give it to you guys for sticking in there. What's Sorry. the uptake? What's the uptake of 4K TV ultra high def in the states like? Um, well, that's a good question. I I don't really know. I mean, I know 4K TVs are getting cheaper here, but they're still in that price range where, like my even myself, I'm I'm just not up for paying for that I, I guess the big thing is the the uhd you know the the new thing but it's interesting well, i mean how, what is it how is it there like you had you had something like this written down and i'm just curious what yeah I've, there. I've just taken a bit of an interest in it just recently i did buy a 4k tv um australian adoption rates were always very early adopters australians so you name it blu-rays cds microwave ovens yeah. anything it's probably part of the tyranny of distance. If Australians can get it, they'll buy it, they'll adopt it early and pay more for it. But in 2015, the penetration of 4K TV for Australian households was about 5%. So really negligible. But it's expected by 2020, mm -hmm. almost half, that's 48% of Australian households will have a UHD or a 4K TV. By the end of this year, 2016, more than 600,000 Australian homes will have a 4K TV. So they're becoming more affordable. And I couldn't believe it. The other day in 
one of the poorer western suburbs of Melbourne, on the extreme of the urban fringe, I went to a pawn shop, P-A-W-N, and saw an ultra-high-def TV for sale. So it's already penetrating down to the poorer suburbs at the used stores. So it's technology that is becoming available. Before we know it, uh, it'll be in Australian homes. I mean, I know... I know there's a lot of people that would adopt, um, you know, or are going the 4K route and, and things like that. And I think when the Scorpio rolls around, it, there always has to be like a driving, you know, for, for me, myself, personally, there has to be something driving me to upgrade something like that. Um, but uh, what, what's OK? <coughs> Sorry, I had a sneeze. Bless me. Excuse me. Um, I. Maybe that'll be the Scorpio, but I'm not not 100% sure. I mean, they are dropping, like you said, like as they are there, they're dropping in price here. And I think we see more and more. Um, one big interesting thing would be the holiday season this year to see how well 4K or how much 4K drops. Because, you know, if you can get a 55-inch, 42-inch, 55-inch TV, 4K, uh, Ultra HD or, or uh, HD, HDR, I should say, um, HDR or 4K. If you can get something like that for three, four, five hundred dollars, I imagine those will fly off the shelf um, because people will probably be setting themselves up for the next three to five years with that TV. There's just no content driver in Australia for it yet, and that's why a lot of people are just saying they can't see the point. I guess your offices will display the 4K in the boardrooms because you'll be able to see what's written on each line on the screen, but there's just no content for it. A lot of the earlier things like disc, optical disc devices were a big deal in Australia because a lot of Australia's humid and our locality to Asia as well where they had the same argument. You've got magnetic tape, it will go mouldy, it will destroy. You've got to have you know, something that's optical disc instead but uh, uh, look i don't know it do people really need an excuse they'll just get told they're missing out That'll, that's enough in australia really they just get told <laughs> they're missing out and you know a lot of the cultural life is is gone from greater melbourne it's not as if there's live performances so people will retreat and say look i've got it all right here after the transport of the day they're just too tired to go out i think that'll be the, the driver yeah, I mean, what one thing like it, it's not like how Blu-ray pushed Blu-ray and HD gaming pushed 1080, you know, HD TVs, you know, like Blu-ray really kind of helped push that stuff. Like it wasn't DVDs that pushed HD TVs in my mind. It was like things like Blu-ray. And and I think coming out and saying, "Oh, well Netflix is going to stream in 4K." is not the one thing that drives people to go run a fork, you know, buy a 4k. I think it would be something like, um, like I have time Warner cable. That's the company cable company. I have, if they came out and said next year on January 1st, every one of our channels will be streaming 4k. Then that would be something that would drive me to a 4k TV because then everything was going to be in 4k. So, but yeah, that's, that's a, I think you, I think we're both on a, you know, or our countries are on the same page when it comes to things like when it comes to the those TVs and 4K. So. Well, it's interesting because America was very quick to adopt their own 
TV standards, the NTSC, rather than wait for the German system to come out. And you still seem to have lagged a long way behind because of that. Right. Yeah. It's all our fault. No, <laughs> One thing I do hope is they do away with this, would you like a 50 hertz or a 60 hertz TV? I'm playing on a 50 hertz TV and every time I hear, oh, it's not 60 frames a second, I, I kind of smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to PC gaming, everybody wants 144 hertz now. Everybody wants 144 um, for that. And that's when you get into those teaming of graphic cards. And I mean, those 10, like the, the, the GTX 1080s and stuff, that's going to get you up to 100 frames or so on a 35 inch curved monitor. You know, that's what I'm shooting for. And, and to me, 60 frames is, is fine for me. Like, I don't mind 60 frames a second, um, but probably by the time I come around to buying any of that stuff, you know, um, there's going to be a curved monitor that hits 144. And I just know 144 is that magic refresh rate that everybody's looking for in uh, PC gaming. So, um, but maybe that that's the other thing for Scorpio. I mean, you're going to be pretty much locked at 60 frames a second, I think, in Scorpio, um, if not higher. So... You know, you're definitely going to want something that can uh, keep up with it at that point. But uh, um, we are, let me check real quick. We're over an hour in. Is there any, is there anything else? Um, I thought I had one more thing that I was going to ask you guys, and now it's slipping my mind. We covered the internet. We covered the cost of games. We covered Forza. We covered the R rating. Um, was there another thing? Do you guys remember? Well, the Gamer Party is not running as a political party anymore, but the Motoring Party won a seat. Oh, so I, <laughs> I, I, I knew what I had for you. We, we started off the show and you, and you talked about, you know, Ford and, and a couple other companies starting to close their doors and stuff. What, how is, so here in the US, we have Tesla. Um, I don't know if you guys keep up with Tesla or been following Tesla. Um, it seems like in the last six months, maybe, I've become a huge fan. I'm a huge fan uh, of Tesla now, and uh, I really want one of their vehicles. But how is, but, but here in the U.S., it's like you have states saying that Tesla can't sell their car directly to customers, that they have to go through a dealer. So you can't buy a Tesla in certain states because they are not through a dealership. And and the whole rule for a dealership back in the day, and I'm talking way, you know, before I was probably born, um, they're talking about, well, dealers were around to protect the consumer from being ripped off by the car companies. And now it seems like, well, for a customer to buy directly from a uh, the company that makes the vehicle is protecting me from having to be ripped off from the car company or from the sales, you know, from the dealerships. Um, but... The one question I want to ask you with with your cars and vehicles, how is the adoption? Sorry, go ahead. We used to say that the HR department was to stop the staff being mistreated by the bosses as well, but that, that argument didn't keep, did it? Yeah. But look, looking at the brand positioning of the car, yeah. it's certainly towards what you would expect for sports Jaguar. So yeah. how's the adoption rate? The, believe me, they turn heads, um, but they're, they're aimed at such a such a wealthy um, buyer, and a short trip in Australia is just not going to cut it. 
unless there's strips on the highway that when you drive on the highway you're intermittently charging it just by driving over a strips and getting inducted magnetism, I can't see anybody saying, I'm self-dependent now because when things go bad, I can make a bolt for it. That's, that's part of the, the joy of having your own vehicle, with that feeling of independence. You're not independent if you can take a 200-kilometre trip. I've been lucky enough to see a couple of Teslas. Um, I saw one at a festival in Hobart and another at a large shopping centre in Melbourne, and they really are beautiful cars. From what I understand, reliability probably is still a bit of an issue. But Australia has a much larger number of marks that are for sale than the States. If Just do a quick Google on the web to find out the number of models of cars for sale in Australia for a population of 24 million, and it makes no economic sense at all. It's going to take a while for Tesla to penetrate and to have any meaning for Australia. Yeah. And, I mean, they seem to be doing... I mean, they've been doing well. Uh, the Model 3, that is the new model that they are releasing it, it, it's you know they're still two years out from uh probably rolling the first ones off the line but then the waiting list is two to three years long already and they just you know blew out what they want it's just i think in to in my mind it's not it's not the people wanting the car i think it's almost like our country is fighting itself not to have electric vehicles for some reason, even though our government sits there and is trying to preach, you know, clean energy this and clean energy that, but yet we won't let people buy a car that's electric. And, and, and energy and, security is probably the reason that Tesla will eventually be successful in Australia um, because we've got such a greater amount of sunshine on the continent. Solar paneling is becoming really big. Yeah. We're building a house at the moment, or just about to, and definitely we're putting solar panels up. And Tesla has put so much work into battery technology. Thank God for the mobile phones that everybody has, because that has pumped billions of dollars into battery technology. And the idea that you can strap up some solar panels and feed that power into something like a Tesla battery at the side of your shed, and then power your Xbox from it, that's a future I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. And and it's one thing like I've I've talked to my wife and, and it's like one thing that I really want if we build a house or when we move is like I want solar panels and I would love to have like a Tesla Powerwall. Um <laughs> uh just it's 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 great. I am just a huge fan. But um but yeah, I wanted to see what uh cuz we were talking about cars. I'm curious on how that would be seen over there as far as an electric vehicle, but they're seen as exotic. So the Toyota Prius is the car that's just ubiquitous here. People are familiar with that as the hybrid. Um, the Nissan Leaf really didn't take off. And we're really waiting for some more excitement in the market. Tesla's probably the one that can do it. But that's we really have, to cover, really have to cover the issue of miles. So I travel 60 miles a day just to get to work and back. And you can imagine if there's an accident on the highway, that means I'm stuck in traffic for a long time. I really need the power. Yeah. So you're 60 miles both to and from? In, in Toto, so 30 miles each way. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 63 miles one way, 63 wow. miles back is my total drive to when I drive to work. And when you look at it like a Tesla, like Model S, you know, a P90 or something like that, um, expensive car that I, I could not afford to purchase myself um, would get me, I think, two and a half trips to and from work and our my job actually has a 
uh, charging station, uh, which is actually cool. So not only could I, I could also charge not on my dime. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's that's something that's definitely got to be considered uh, when looking at it. Often things are a matter of political will. So we're just talking about the National Broadband Network being a function of political will for Australia. The last time really political muscle was flexed to develop Australia was for the Snowy Mountain Scheme, really. It's well, been a long time between dreams. That's true. Two and a half of the seven great infrastructure projects that were proposed were carried out. Um, and, and maybe next time Forza comes around again, maybe people, maybe a car such as what you um, just mentioned won't look out of place in the outback, and maybe we won't have... A, a rolling stock train, maybe we'll have a bullet train that you've actually got to race against. I'm really looking forward to seeing <laughs> when Forza comes back to Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the uh, train section. <laughs> not a big fan of the train section was in there. And actually, the the Tesla Model S is in the game, but it is actually the old front style and everything. It's 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 a little disappointing. That'll, that'll teach us for buying uh, the base version of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. thank you so All much right. for having us as guests on your program oh yeah oh well we're, don't don't go anywhere we're not done yet <laughs> so uh let me let me hit the community real quick um so uh we didn't have anything for community there was no extra emails and there was uh wasn't any um emails uh but basically everybody out there if you go to this xboxlife.com you can contact us via form, which we'll read on the show. You can get to, uh, you can send us a voicemail, which is also on there. Uh, you can email us directly at contact at thisxboxlife.com. If you go to thisxboxlife.com slash Twitter, will be our Twitter account. And uh, thisxboxlife.com slash Facebook will take you to the Facebook group where uh, a post from uh, Andrew and Richard have uh, a This Sunburnt Life Spotify playlist. Uh, the only thing I'd ask you guys, if you can go out there and maybe uh, repost it or try to get that thing back up toward the top, uh, maybe I can get uh, Wing to pin it up there for a little bit. Um, and, and actually, you know, this episode 406 is called This Sunburnt, Sunburnt Life uh, from your guys' playlist. So um, Thanks for the. Uh, it was easy to make a title this week because you know because of what you the work you guys put in. <laughs> You're welcome. The other thing I posted last week was a translation of the review uh, from the Mons on Forza Horizon Three. So if you're at all interested, that's there too. Oh yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe comment in both. I'll try to. I'll try to find them. Sometimes if I don't get out there on a day or something, things just kind of get buried on top of it. Um, but. Uh, yeah. Um so this week in uh, retail releases, let me uh I forgot to change my uh stuff here. Um on Tuesday you'll have Warhammer uh End Times uh and then you have Rocksmith 2014 edition remastered. And on Friday you have Gears of War 4, which is on the 7th and and uh, Mafia 3. I think both of those games are play early like the play early pay us extra money so you can play it a couple days early. And uh, both are for, rated in Australia. Yeah, both are rated or it's pay us more money so you can spend 3 days to download it if you live in Australia. Um not only you're already paying us more money than you're paying double to download the game that takes 3 days that you don't get to play early in Australia. So hopefully I got all of that right there. 
Um, so uh, what else does Rob normally do here? Oh, Games with Gold. So we are starting a new month. Um, it's October 1st right now where I'm at, or October 2nd where uh, Richard and Andrew are at. Um, Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings is the free Games with Gold uh, Xbox One for the month. Uh, Assassin's Creed Chronicles, you still have 15 more days for that. Chronicles China. Uh, and then the Escapist takes over from there from 10.16 to 11.15. On the uh, Xbox 360, which is also backwards compatible Xbox One, you have MX versus ATV Reflex, and that is from the 1st to the 15th. And then the 16th to the 31st, you have I Am Alive. So make sure to go out there and at least purchase your games or down or get them on your account so they have them as free. Uh, and then for anybody who is purchasing your games, do you guys have a uh, Amazon there in Australia? Oh, it's everywhere in this world. It's, it's everywhere. Um, so if you go to this xboxlife.com slash Amazon, or if you go to Amazon or this xboxlife.com and you click on Amazon, it should take you to the proper place where if you buy games from Amazon, uh, we get a little kickback, you know, so, and, uh, and if anybody is on iTunes, uh, please rate us five stars. We really appreciate it. But I think I got everything out of the way. Guys, I have to say a couple things. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was fun. I learned a lot of stuff. And uh, I, we definitely appreciate you guys being uh, Patreon uh, subscribers. And I hope you guys had fun. I mean, Absolutely. I know. So uh, definitely keep in touch. Is there anything else you guys want to say? Are you guys all like... Y'all talked out now? <laughs> Just rewrite Game Attack. We'd love to ride Convoy with you through Australia and talk to you. Dixie Turner and Tandy Boy 5005. So that's Dixie Turner. And what was the last one? It kind of broke up when you were saying it. Tandy Boy 5005. Tandy Boy 5005. So, all right. Well, guys, thank you very much. I'm Brun BJ Swick 33. Everybody, enjoy, and we will be back next week. Good night. Bye. Good night.